You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be learning about zirconia and the guidelines for restorative preparations. We will also discuss milling options, finishing techniques, and bonding protocol. Our guest is Dr. Greg Campbell, graduate of the University of Southern California of Dentistry with advanced training in cosmetic dentistry from UCLA. He is an active member of the ADA, the CDA, and the Harvard Dental Society. Dr. Campbell, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Well, thanks so much for having me. The topic is obviously very timely. CAD-CAM is growing. Dentists are starting to do a lot of this chair side. And for those that don't, of course, they can always have the lab option. But uh, for us to learn more about zirconia would be a great thing. Our listeners would be very excited to hear what you have to say. So let's begin with a simple question. How long have you been using zirconia for restorations? Well, that's a great question. And I will tell you, you're absolutely correct that zirconia has just kind of taken the dental market by storm. It's the fastest growing restorative material that I think I've seen in quite some time in my 32 years of practice. Um, I've actually been using chair-side zirconia uh, just shortly after the speed fire oven came out from uh, the Chicago midwinter from Densply Serona. And uh, I've been using the Katana zirconia for just about three and a half, almost four years. Tell us briefly what the advantages of zirconia are and why do you prefer using zirconia for your restorations? Well, you know, what's interesting is when I go and I talk to the labs and I go in and out of some of the dental schools and I get to see that, you know, the overwhelming majority, probably 70 percent of all restorations since the laboratory are under reduced. And so we tend to have uh, some ceramic failures that are, you know, in many ways, iatrogenic. And so what I like about zirconia is it's, it's a lot less reduction than some of the other ceramic materials that we have, and it has greater bond strength. You know, I also uh, was gold trained uh, from USC, and I love the fact that you can get some just impeccable, incredible margins with less reduction here as well. So the strength of the material is critical in the fact that a lot of dentists, you're saying, are under-reducing the prep, meaning that the material, the actual ceramic becomes too thin that's correct. We know that uh, the, the two major causes of ceramic failures is inadequate reduction, and that's primarily in the fissure area, or the working cuts, the functioning cuts. The second most common cause is improper bonding. So I really like the fact that, uh, that you can actually uh, slay the dragon, if you will, by using zirconia and following the proper prep metrics that we'll talk about later. Is there a place for other materials in your practice, or are you strictly using zirconia? Well, I, I'm a firm believer that there's not one material that's for everywhere in the mouth. I think you have to assess each clinical situation differently. Does this person have some parafunctional habits? Maybe you're going to use gold. Uh, none of these materials are actually indicated. Even Bruxer from Glidewell is not indicated in somebody who is, is grinding, you know, who's, who's a grinder or Bruxer. So you want to, you know, be selective in those materials. I think uh, there's a couple situations here where I don't really do inlays with zirconia, but I have done onlays, conservative onlays and crowns. Um, I tend to use more feldspathic in the anterior, although I'll tell you the Katana STML is a beautiful anterior restoration for crowns. Um, so I have several materials in my office, uh, whether it be the lithium basilicates or the feldspathic, um, or even in some cases the hybrids, uh, you know, are, are wonderful to use as well. So I, I don't just say I'm going to only do this material or that material. I will tell you in the posterior region of the mouth, I'm finding that I'm probably using this material um, probably about 60% of the time, and that's changed drastically in the last 12 months. What's made that change drastically, the new material that Curari has come out with? Yeah, I mean, I when I helped, uh, you know, 
uh, bring us, you know, to the Ameri- North American market, I was I was kind of a skeptic. Uh, all the other zirconi I had seen was actually quite unattractive, very unesthetic, and it didn't even come close to matching the the Vita Shade Guide, if you will. And so when I saw that we could get an aesthetic outcome with a multi-layered block, it really blew me away. And then to find out, you know, uh, that if you follow a really easy bonding protocol, like from BLAST, the APC technique, and there's 22 years of bonding uh, research that proves you can bond to zirconia, I mean, I'm having great success with, with this material. Yeah, and Kirari has a great R&D department. They're an amazing company as far as materials go for, for years, and not only in zirconia, but their cements as well. And we are um, very happy that they're sponsoring this podcast. And again, when we have KOLs on our show, we ask them what they're using because our listeners want to know. But for the most part, I would say that the educational content that's coming out of this would be beneficial to uh, everyone's clinical uh, experiences in the office. Let me ask you this question, Dr. Campbell. So as far as digital technology, tell us a little bit about what you're using in your office regarding your uh, digital technology and a little bit about the workflow. Well, uh, thanks for that question. You know, with regards to digital technology, we're pretty much all in. We uh, we have two acquisition units. Uh, one's a PrimeScan and one's a Omnicam. Those are from Densefly Serona. We have two wet mills and we have one wet dry mill, which I do my, uh, my uh, zirconia in. I have a speed fire oven, which allows us to do these zirconia firing in office, you know, same visit. Um, and I have uh, two other ovens uh, that I can do other materials like Emacs and uh, Amber Mill and um, Suprinity, things like that, Anthros and Trilux Forte. Um, we have digital x-rays and we've, we've had those for all. We've been chartless uh, in our office since 2004. Um, and we just really enjoy, I have a diode laser. Uh, which I enjoy using that for uh, troughing and other uh, minor procedures for patients. Um, as far as patient communication technology, we have a product called Revenue Well. Our patients, there's been a real shift in the last three years on how patients want us to communicate. It's uh, They don't really want phone calls, and they really don't want emails. So we're, you know, we have a machine, and, and we can email and text. Our, our patients really prefer text to confirm, and, and uh, just the way we communicate has changed. And our patients have really gotten used to having things done, same visit in our office. And, uh, and so all this digital technology that we've brought in has really allowed us to not only meet our patients' expectations, but to exceed them. Right. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing office you're running there. Um, and I guess it, it was a transition to get into all this digital technology. You obviously don't purchase and integrate this in a single day. What about the learning curve to get your staff up to speed on using all this from the traditional dental uh, armamentarium that we've had in the past? Well, you're absolutely right in that we stepped into this. Our, you know, our first purchase was computers in the front office to do insurance billing. And then uh, we ended up uh, getting digital x-rays, so we put computers in the back office. So we were able to train and step into this with practice management software and digital x-rays. Uh, then we went to the chairside CAD cam. Uh, there, back when I started in 2006, it was a much steeper learning curve. Today, it's, it's ridiculously easy to you can get somebody scanning in 30 30 minutes quite proficiently, and uh, the software is more intuitive. So we do spend uh, a great deal of time on training with the digital, uh, with, the, with the team. Uh, it's just part of our routine. It's part of our staff meetings and going to, going to classes together and just keep moving forward. Uh, we've had, had a lot of luck with that. And, you know, even in how we approached um, the different zirconias that you asked me about a few minutes ago, I want to kind of go back to that if I could. The, the one thing I want to impart or impress to our listeners is that not all zirconia is the same. Some people seem to have a blanket statement that zirconia is zirconia. 
there's a lot of different uh, contents of yttria and different firing temperatures and where the, where the manufacturers source their powders from is quite important for the end user to understand this because most of the manufacturers source their powders from Toso or from China. And one of the things I like about the, the Karari Noritake brand is that they actually make their own powder. And because of how it fires and how they, they, they have that, and the temperature at which it fires, it has more translucency, which actually allows them to, to have a, a much more aesthetic outcome than some of the other competitors. Um, so I hope I didn't mean to. No, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. And, and when making that decision to buy zirconia or, or, or utilize zirconia in the office, it's right. really good to understand that all zirconia is not the same. And I, and I know Curari manufactures their own and, and they're very, very stringent on all the steps required to make sure that it's a premium product. Tell us a little bit about the centering time with Speedfire and, and the advantages of that. Okay. Well, we know when the Speedfire first came out, it was designed, uh, there was the Serge Zirconia, and uh, obviously Vita had a, had a product out for a while. I still have it. Uh, the centering time uh, was quite long. When, when the Katana first came out, the centering time was established to be just over 30 minutes. I think it's 30 minutes and 40 seconds. And the labs had got it down to 90 minutes with great success. And, you know, obviously in the old, uh, some people do the five-hour centering or overnight. But we now have been able to work um, in through the process, or not we, but Karari, Noritake has worked through, where they've got it down to an 18-minute centering cycle without any change to the translucency of the block. And, in fact, the block has become stronger than what they're testing at 30 minutes was. So that's pretty uh, amazing. It's similar to what Emacs did when they shortened their cycle down and the block got stronger. So there's some crazy, interesting chemistry involved with all this. There's no doubt about that. They have the PhDs over in Japan to uh, to do all this stuff. Now, Correct. less chair time for the patient. Tell us about the advantage of that and how has that affected your practice? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of times when you look at, you know, the economies of scale of how you're running your, your practice, you know, I'm a business owner as well, you know, as a clinician here. And, you know, you want to look at the business side of what does it cost you to operate? And if you can finish a procedure in one appointment instead of two, you don't have the second appointment setup costs. You know, I think Gordon Christensen said that averages around 30 to $35 to set up. You don't have impression material costs, uh, the temporary costs. You don't have a patient coming in or calling you when you're at your children's soccer game saying my temporary came off because I was chewing on a Jolly Roger candy. Um, you know, you don't have all those things going on. And really, it adds uh, my appointment time for, for Zirconia is two hours. And people say, oh, that's too long. I could never do that. But the reality is, is that, you know, where I live here in Southern California, people don't want to take extra time off from work. So if they can be here an extra half an hour and get it done in one appointment, there's less time off from work. And it's easier for them. And they like it. They've grown accustomed to doing it. I actually like it because not that I'm opposed to making temporaries. I'm actually quite good at it. I would just prefer not to have to do it if I can give the patient a really good outcome in a single visit. Every patient everywhere doesn't want to spend more time in the dental chair if they don't have to. It's definitely well, you uh, know, thing on this. And I admit to, I'm sorry to cut you off. Another thing to think about is how many people actually really enjoy having a dental impression taken. I mean, we do have every practice has their own a number of gaggers or people who are just really anxious. And if you can scan them in, in, in a matter of 10 or 15 seconds per quadrant, and instead of mixing up that goop and leaving it in there, it's a, it's a much better benefit for the patient. It's a it's a clinically better and it's emotionally better, psychologically better. It's a win-win. Yeah, it's just a matter of time before 
the materials that the traditional impression materials are just going to be by the wayside. Like anything else, it, it took a while for digital radiography to, to get its footprint in the dental office, even though there are still dentists using chemicals to develop film. Um, not many, but there's still some. And uh, it's it's moving now towards, you know, single day dentistry, one day dentistry like you like you're doing in your practice. So what are some of the guidelines for proper preparation, anticipating a zirconia restoration? Well, you know, the one thing you got to look at is you always have to prep for the material you want to use. You have to follow the proper prep metrics exactly to get a, a successful clinical outcome. You really want to create compressive forces. And so when you're prepping, you want to have rounded internals. You want to have a rounded transition from your axial walls onto your occlusal. This, this is stuff we've learned, but sometimes we forget when we're preparing. You know, my background is coming from a gold school where we did gold, uh, gold foil, gold crowns, inlay, onlay, seven, eight, three quarters, and then PFMs. And so to transition, you're not going to be prepping necessarily for that. Although with zirconia, you are doing uh, preps that are very similar to gold. Uh, so what I follow is a one millimeter guideline. So I, the great for me is the great number I need to remember is I need a one millimeter reduction. I need a closal reduction of one millimeter. My axial reduction is one millimeter. And I really take time to polish that prep and smooth it over. I build up. I, I believe in having an even thickness of ceramic when I'm working because I believe that's the way it's intended um, for a load distribution. Uh, and so really for me to keep it very simple, uh, there's less reduction for the anterior. I believe you can go to 0.8 uh, for the katana. There are some uh, lower yttria, like a three yttria, that says you can go to 0 0.5, 0 0.4. And um, I just don't get an aesthetic outcome, so I wouldn't do that in the anterior. But I, again, I love to have the one millimeter reduction for the zirconia. As far as the factors in determining the success of zirconia restorations regarding processing, uh, finishing the materials, such as pre-polishing, final polish, glaze, stain. Could you cover that a little bit and just, you know, fill us in on, on how you do things at your office? Absolutely. You know, we could spend eight hours on this one question <laughs> alone. <laughs> but I'll tell you, what you want to do is uh, uh, the, the system that I use uh, from Densply Serona allows you to wet mill the zirconia or it will allow you to dry mill it. I tend to dry mill because I believe that's how the material, I think, has a little better translucency. So when you dry mill this, when you're done, it's going to be attached via sprue to the block that it milled out of. And, uh, you you know, you, you have to keep in mind when you're dealing with uh, zirconia, you're dealing with the lithium silicates, the filled plastics, you always want to have your PPE on, personal protective equipment. The particle size of this is quite small, and it can get into your lungs. So I'm a firm believer you want to be wearing your gloves, your mask, and your eyewear. Um, secondly, uh, you want to make sure you have the right tool for the job on doing this. You need to remove the sprue carefully. We've seen videos online uh, that are quite hilarious where a person is slamming it down on a table or somebody will hold it with hemostats and tap it till it falls off. Those are very much contraindicated. There's no healing when you put this in, this, in the oven to center. So you want to treat it very carefully when it's in its green state. Uh, the green state is when it's milled out of the milling and it hasn't been centered yet to its hardness. So it almost has a chalky white appearance look to it. It's very soft. So you want to handle it very, very carefully. So what I do, and I don't want to get into too much detail here, I, I put a soft towel in front of me, and I remove it with a lab carbide that's designed to remove a screw for zirconia. I use a Meisinger kit for that uh, that I helped develop with Meisinger, and I've had great luck with it. Once you've removed it carefully from the, from the block, you have, you're going to have a little button, a little nubby on the, on the zirconia. 
And there is also another lab carbide design. Now, keep in mind, if you dry mill this, you don't want to use a high-speed handpiece. You want to use actually a slow-speed lab motor at about 4,000 to no more than 6,000 RPM with very light pressure. This hand, this is a very different beast than some of the other uh, materials that we use. Uh, once you smooth that off, you now want to take a dry brush. You don't want to use an air water syringe that can contaminate it uh, or a toothbrush. You just want our compressed air. You don't want to use any of those. You actually just want to use like a number eight brush, uh, like a, a paintbrush, and you're going to brush off all the powder from that, the residual powder. And then you're going to put that inside, uh, upside down in the uh, centering oven, so closal surface down in the seed fire. If you're doing an anterior case, it'll be lingual surface down in there, and you uh, you do your centering. Once it comes out of the centering, uh, you then have the option to uh, to polish it or to uh, micro etch it and apply glaze, so you can characterize it further if you so choose. I want the listener to understand is that when you go to polish this, you are not going to polish it like we do gold where you have high RPM and, and lots of pressure where you're generating heat. The moment you do that, or if you hold it in one spot longer than a, than a half a second, it's going to pearl. The crown is going to look really pearly, and it's very unesthetic when you do that. If that occurs, you're going to need to sandblast the exterior surface, and then you can then restart repolishing. So when you polish after it centers, your RPM is going to be no more than 4,000 RPM, and you're going to uh, use light pressure. And I'm a real big fan of the twist polisher for this. There's also some zirconia wheels that are made by Wagner, Meisinger. Uh, there's several companies that have them that have great success. Now, if you're going to glaze, and I know there's a lot of discussion about, hey, Rella Christensen says never glaze zirconia. And really, you know, you can get attachment with a tissue with zirconia if it's polished. So I'm a firm believer that you polish the area or which tissue is touching it. And I also believe that you adjust your contacts after you have uh, delivered the restoration in the mouth. You're going to adjust the occlusion and polish those contact spots. But other, everywhere else, I sandblast and I apply glaze. I like to characterize it. And we know glaze comes off. You know, I think, what, 70% of the glaze comes off after year five. But I really want to make sure I have a smooth surface underneath that. There's some great products that work for glazing uh, zirconia. You can, you can get some great aesthetic outcomes in doing this. But the user has to understand, do not treat this like how you polish Emacs or Seltra Duo or Suprinity or any of those other products or Feldspathics or even both. You have to be light pressure and low RPM. As far as the bonding protocol for zirconia, even before bonding, any kind of um, preparation that you'd like to talk about uh, on the surface before the bonding material is placed and so forth? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny when I when I lecture all over the United States, I always ask uh, one of the questions, how many of you uh, believe you can bond zirconia? And I think in the last eight lectures that I've had, only one person raised their hand. In fact, I, I was at a, a, a school in Florida just recently, and the director of the program had told the students there's no way you can bond zirconia. And he was in my lecture and I showed them how to do it. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a firm believer uh, in Marcus Blatz from uh, from Penn. He uh, has a technique called the APC, so Apple Paul Cherry technique. Uh, he published that in Compendium not too long ago. And so what I do is after I've tried the restoration in and I've adjusted my mesial and distal contact, again, I do not try uh, and check my occlusion at that point. I now am ready to prepare the restoration to be bonded. And what I do is I go into my laboratory, into my lab there, and I um, will sandblast. And the uh, research says two bars. Well, nobody knows what a bar is. I don't remember. I'm a chemist, but I can't remember what a bar is. So I had an inline regulator put on my, my micro-etcher, and it's at 32 PSI, which is ideal for this. 
And so I'm gonna I'm gonna micro etch that. I'm gonna be about an inch and a half away from the uh, intaglio surface of the crown, and I'm going to use 50 micron particle size of aluminum oxide. And I'm gonna go in a checkerboard pattern, and I'm going to micro etch the inside of the zirconia crown. What's important to remember here is when you micro etch and when you're done, and if you if you delegate this to a team member, there is no change in the surface. It looks identical. It looks the same unlike when you etch with hydrofluoric for other products. Once you've now uh, sandblasted or micro-etched, you're going to now, you need to clean it. Ideally, you would put it in ethanol and put in ultrasound for two minutes. Uh, in California, we can't get ethanol, so the next best thing is to use something like a steamer, or you can put it in uh, something like IvoClean. Uh, I know Katana has a new uh, cleaning agent that's coming out uh, next month that has uh, shown great promise as well. And that is, you know, these are all diluted uh, sodium hypochlorite products, and that removes any phosphates and cleans that area. So the first part is you've aerobrated, now you've cleaned it, and now you're ready to um, to bond this in. You want to use a product that has MDP. The MDP has been around for, gosh, I think the patent ended in 2010 or 2011 from Ferrari, but they still have the patents on the catalyst to cure it. So not all MDP is the same. It's a 10-carbon molecule, but this thing is amazing. It bonds to metal oxides, to plastics, to, to, to all kinds of different materials. And so this thing is what you want to have applied. One of the beautiful things about the Karari products, whether it's Panavia V5, which we'll talk about in a second, or the Panavia SA or Panavia SA Universal, it has the NDP built into the paste. Now, as you know, you don't put a silane on zirconia. It, silane does nothing for the zirconia. But some of these products also have that in there as well. So now that you've got the crown ready to go after you've cleaned it, you're going to go to your tooth and you're going to, if you've done IDS, you're going to, you're going to clean and, and, and get that ready. If not, you're going to now apply, um, if you're using the Panavia Universal, which is new by Carrari, you're, you're going to clean your tooth off. And then once you clean off, you're going to apply the cement, uh, the resin into the crown and you're going to seat the crown, tack cure for three seconds and the cleanup on this is unreal. Now, what's interesting is when you tack it, you're not getting a lot of light transmission through zirconia, just like you wouldn't through gold. So it has its self-cure is every bit as strong as its light cure, which is unreal. And that's true of Finiva V5. There's no other products in, in, in our clinical arena that does what those two products do. So you're going to get a good self-cure. It has the MGP. Now, what that does is the MGP is going to bind in with the zirconia. Uh, to, to adhere, you're going to get an ionic bond, and then you're also going to have a insoluble calcium salt bridge on the dentin layer where the MMPs can't go in and then break down that dentin bond. So you're going to get an incredible bond with the zirconia. So going back to when I tack cured, it's going to peel right off. I'm then going to do my 10-second cure on each surface, do my final cleanup, adjust my occlusion, take an x-ray to verify everything, and we're good to go. It's really that simple. So um, very well described. What What's the weak point in this whole process of bonding zirconia, the way you just described it, using the curare material? Where could a dentist screw up where even though these materials are all great, um, there's got to be some weak point that maybe you can highlight just so it's something a caveat? I see two weak points. Uh, and uh, sometimes we as dentists are our own worst enemies. We like to take shortcuts. And if you don't, Micro etch, they go, oh, I heard you don't have to do this. If you're not micro etching, you're not going to get a bond. And, and, and that's number one. Number two, you need to have isolation. You need to be, you need to, you need to have the heme under control. You need to have the fluids under control, whether that's 
uh, using uh, aluminum chloride products. You never use a ferric sulfate product to control it because it actually etches to the tooth. So like 30% aluminum chloride, or you're going to use a laser, or some people use electrolytes, whatever it is that you want to do, pack cord. Some people are now packing Teflon, which is really popular. But if you don't have control of the fluids, you're not going to have effective bonding in there. As we wrap up this podcast, Dr. Campbell, and it's really been phenomenal, uh, everything you've covered and the way you've covered it, anything else, any recommendation you want to make? Well, it, it's interesting. I tell people when I, when I present, and I'm, and I'm very fortunate to present to our peers, and I, and I love sharing. I tell people I get paid to read the directions, and I follow the directions. I believe the manufacturers have our best interests. Uh, when they write that, they want us to follow it. Don't mix materials. Don't mix from different companies. Stay with the same company. And don't believe what all manufacturers tell you. I mean, I like to see independent testing done by Vambermeek. I like some stuff from Lawson and Burgess down at UAB. There's a lot of really good stuff there that um, I follow the science. And for me, it's my reputation. When I'm putting this in, I don't want it to fall out of three years, you know. And I still have people that, that tell me online, you know, you're going to have all these failures. You're going to have all these failures. So far, we're four years and, and no failure yet. And we know that with MMPs, we start having failures around year three. So, so far, so good. I'm following these cases. I like the products. I really enjoy the Karari products because they do what they say it's supposed to do. I, I, I've been around long enough to where I've seen so many failures, um, like a recall on a cement. And when they recall it, and I get a letter, not Karari, but when another company's recalled it, where's that cement? It's not on my shelf. It's in the patient's mouth. You know, I don't want I don't want to have to deal with that, you know. And so I love the fact that products are so well tested. Like, as you said earlier, their R&D is phenomenal. And um, and it just makes doing dentistry easier. It's predictable. I like something. I like things that are predictable and they, and they make me more efficient. Uh, for me, it just makes it for a better day. Um, zirconia is something, honestly, four years ago. Prior to that, I was maybe doing some zirconia bridges from the lab, um, you know, had had fairly okay results but nothing you know earth shattering but i can tell you where this is going now even even the bridge block they have now for chair side there's a chair side aesthetic bridge block by katana that is mind-blowing to me so i think the future is very bright in this arena everybody else is comparing to the katana block which i think is exciting for the company and for me as a clinician i like giving my patients the best possible products i can so that's kind of what i know at this point yeah, we really appreciate your insight, and um, they have raised the bar. There's no question, Curare is a company, and it's nice as a clinician to trust the company in the way that you do and other clinicians that are using Curare products, to trust them where they are, the level of confidence is high, predictability, which is the main thing, clinical predictability is, is the major thing that we're trying to achieve in the office. These tips that Dr. Campbell just shared with us, and I'm talking to the audience now, uh, are invaluable, so... Uh, Rewind it, re listen to it again if you want to. It's, uh, there's no extra charge to listen to it twice. There's no extra, there's no charge to listen to it the first time. Everything is free on Viva Learning and we appreciate your, um, allegiance to Viva Learning and we certainly appreciate Dr. Campbell coming out and speaking with us on Dental Talk. Dr. Campbell, I hope we have you on a future podcast soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Just so you know, you can access all of our episodes on Viva Learning's website at vivalearning.com or on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.